0: Welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin, and today I'm joined by uh, two special guests. Once again, my usual guest, Joey, and uh, a special guest, Justin. Welcome, guys. Nice to be here. Of course. And uh, yeah, that that was, of course, Justin, followed by Joey. So uh, I've gathered you two today to To build somewhat of a uh, supreme force, a super team of movie reviewers in order to express our opinions on the recent released film Incredibles 2, the long awaited sequel to the original uh, from Disney's Pixar.
1: The very long awaited sequel, and it was so
0: worth the wait. 14 long years. Yeah, that's the thing, though. A lot of people are saying, like, oh, I waited 14 years for this movie, which is technically true. uh, But I feel like I stopped waiting about four years in. And then when I found out this was coming, I was like, oh, sweet. You know, and I started waiting again. So maybe I got, like, five years tops. Yeah, I
1: feel like a lot of people just kind of like uh, put it off for a while because we didn't know it was gonna happen, and then when yeah, it would came just, out.
0: It'd be ludicrous um, to just sit there and like, oh, I hope this thing that I I know like information on ever happening happens, right? Yeah. So, anyways, um, yeah, yeah. I, like you said. Well, yeah. Go ahead.
2: Um, I, I feel like they, they announced this movie a long, long time ago, though, like soon after the first one came out.
0: I heard that I don't know. I always heard rumors because people were like, they can't leave it with the underminer there. Like obviously, there are. Why not? Some other Incredibles. There was a um, there was a game. Did you know there was a game? There was a game. Oh, yeah, wasn't there it was terrible. Like a video game, but I don't well, know. If, I don't ever play this. I just. I heard it was ass. Well, a lot of movies that made it in video games suck. Yeah. Uh, they're rarely good but uh no no i just i just i had always heard rumors i guess maybe i don't keep up with like the networks and like who's planning what but i'd heard that there were going to be sequels but i never believed it i guess uh but we finally have it and honestly i I think this movie is kind of an example of how to do a sequel well Mm -hmm. uh but before we get too far into it i think we should go ahead and get that synopsis out of the way
1: yes please joey uh Uh Where's
2: our synopsis? Okay, here it is. (laughs) The synopsis. Anyway, let me put on my synopsis hat. Become Synopsis Joey. You know, my my superpower is reading synopsises. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, here we go. After an encounter with the Underminer, the Incredibles must continue to hide their superpowers from the world. But Mr. Incredible, Elastigirl, and Frozone's heroics attract the attention of telecommunications mogul Winston Dever, and his sister Evelyn. Dever has been a secret supporter of Supers for a long time and is looking for an opportunity to change public perception and bring Supers back. He employs Elastigirl to be an advocate for the new campaign. Elastigirl is wildly successful and uncovers an evil mastermind with the moniker Screenslaver. Screenslaver uses screens to hypnotize his victims and control them. But after capturing Screenslaver, Elastigirl is not satisfied. She believes the conspiracy goes deeper. When she confides in Evelyn, Evelyn reveals herself as the real Screenslaver and takes control of Elastigirl. Meanwhile, Mr. Incredible, a.k.a. Bob Parr, is adjusting to his new life as a stay-at-home dad. He has to help Dash with his homework, Violet with her boy troubles, and Baby Jack-Jack's insane new powers. But after his wife is captured, she is used to bait, uh, used as bait, and Mr. Incredible is captured as well. Evelyn's plan is to ruin public perception of supers by forcing them to destroy things and take over the world with their superior powers. The kids, including Jack-Jack, face off against all of Screenslaver's hypnotized heroes, including their own parents, and one by one, they take back control from Screenslaver. Evelyn attempts to escape, but Elastigirl stops her, and the day is saved.
0: Uh, mad spoilers, just oh yeah. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, honestly, though, if you're listening to a podcast about an incre- m- Incredible Two review podcast, and you're and you're surprised at spoilers, then yeah, definitely, blame blame our listeners
2: <laughs> for their ignorance. Spoiler,
0: yeah, I guess retroactive spoiler warning but at this point. But let's get with the program, people. Anyways, uh, yeah. So I I guess. Let's start from okay, the wait, wait, before we start, Before we start, I have
2: a challenge for us, okay? okay? Let's try and get through this entire podcast without using the word incredible as a adjective to describe describe any part of this movie.
0: You're on. You're, You're on. on. You're absolutely on. So uh, I guess from the beginning, let's start uh, where they left off, right? Because it takes place right after Incredible. The, incre- the original Incredibles.
1: Honestly, there's some overlap, even. Like, the yeah. first movie begins just as the first one ends.
2: But from a different
0: perspective, right? You see yeah. it from Tony's point of view instead of from the Incredibles'
2: point of view.
0: Well, I, I even want to take it back a little bit further than that because I'm not sure if they do this in every theater, but they did it in ours, where they had Samuel L. Jackson, the voice of... Holly Hunter. The voice <laughs> yeah. of... Well, the voice <laughs> of Mr. Incredible and yeah. Holly Hunter, who does the voice Crateen of the last of the last girl, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they, they had them talk to the theater, address the theater before, and kind of you know say like we know this has been a long time coming, but then they like they kind of hype it up. They're like it was worth it. Which I thought was a risky gamble, because then they're really pushing the envelope, saying, yeah, we know you've anticipated this for a long time, but also, like, it's, you know, it's going to live up to it, uh, which I thought was cool. I mean, I can't remember the last time a movie did something like they that. They do that for a lot of the,
2: like, Disney animated movies now. Really? I remember seeing that for Pete Doctor's latest film. I can't remember what it was, but they do that in the theater. They have it out there. All I can think of, like, it's really sweet like, seeing the people behind it, but... All I can think of when they do that is, please like and subscribe. Please, you know, <laughs> well, please well, like and subscribe to our cousin. Thanks for f- f- the movies. Thanks for watching. I uh,
0: well, I don't know. I, I, I guess I haven't seen a Pixar movie in a while. I think last time I s- saw one in theaters was Inside Out. So I can't remember if they did something before that. But what they do in f- like in the beginning of every Pixar movie is the Pixar short, mm, and the yes. one for this was. Good. Oh, it was so good. I this mean, one. it's not a surprise, but it was, I think it's worth mentioning that it was good. Do you remember what it was called? It's called Bao. Beyo. Oh, Bao? Yeah. You're okay. you. I don't know how to pronounce I, it. I
1: mean, you know, to interpretation. I, I don't know. I
0: think I Bao is probably, probably right. correct.
1: I want to say it's Bao, but.
0: Yeah, no, it was great. It was heartbreaking. It was emotional. It was, a was lot can- of Pixar short There was cannibalism, everything you could ask for. There was <laughs> metaphorical cannibalism.
1: Yeah, right.
0: But uh, but yeah, it, it was really cool. I like that. Anyways, and then it gets us right into it, and we get to see uh, potentially the most anticipated Incredibles fight of all time, which was the Incredibles family versus the Underminer. <laughs> and uh, the Underminer definitely like holds up against the Incredibles. Oh, like, yeah. He goes hand-to-hand combat with Mr. Incredible, which is Mr. Incredible's whole thing. And he comes out relatively unscathed. Pretty much.
1: Yeah, it's kind of impressive how much of a homage uh, the Underminer and the whole like opening sequence is to the Fantastic Four, actually.
0: Hmm. Really? Is the yeah. Underminer similar to someone from the Fantastic yes, Four? Yes,
1: he's actually really similar to a villain called the Mole Man and um Hmm. (laughs) he was (laughs) i think he's the first villain that the fantastic four face after like the whole uh oh let's go in space and get superpowers and shit um Hmm. and so they fight him as like their first like bad guy and then it's just (laughs) kind of funny that um i guess like the incredibles fight him and they they do so well and then they don't
0: well yeah i mean i guess they do a good job of getting him to go away, but yeah, they don't of. stop the public from getting <laughs> destroyed.
1: Also, yeah. like, they don't stop the bank from being robbed?
0: That either, yeah. And they didn't stop
2: the Underminer either. But, okay, I just love his, like, his thing, like, his catchphrase or whatever. I mean, I say this to myself all the time. <laughs> just, I may live beneath you, but nothing <laughs> is beneath me. <laughs> it's so good. Oh. Yeah,
0: so and good. I mean, this, this whole movie's just, like, chock full of, like, Perfect hilarious frontline. visual comedy, too. Like, when Mr. Incredible gets sucked into the, like, money <laughs> vacuum, yeah, when and the, he, like, punches his way out. That
2: super vacuum that can pick up Mr. Incredible, who must weigh, like, 400 pounds of pure muscle, plus all those gold bars, like, gold is super heavy, how's that thing so powerful, but...
0: I don't know. Awesome. Dude, the Underminer has some serious equipment with it. Serious tech, yeah. Serious mining. I mean, if Elon Musk could get his hands on the Underminer's boring technology, I think that the L.A. commute would change drastically.
1: (laughs) Just imagine just, like, tunneling under the city. Can you imagine
0: Elon Musk, like announcing that he's working with the Underminer now, like, announcing a partnership with him. I'm announcing my... That's Incredibles (laughs) 3. I'm pretty sure that's Incredibles 3. We just unearthed the plot. Well, uh,
2: speaking of that, do you think because he got away that you'll see him again in the third movie?
0: I think so. Oh, yeah. He has to.
2: If you stay to the end of the credits,
1: they even do that little... That's not really like a thing, but they have, like, the little, like, Underminer cart
2: going across screen when you listen to the songs. Yeah, yeah. He's, like, kind of reminding you that he's still there, alive. yeah.
0: Which I thought was cool because, I mean, it gets us right back into this, you know, kind of uh, conflict from the original Incredibles, which is how does the public deal with the presence of supers? Right. Which, uh, you know, it's like which also leads to regulation and then to, in my opinion, one of like the main themes of the Incredibles in general, which is uh, doing good even when you're told not to. I mean, that was a big part of the first Incredibles, uh, and I think that carries f- through to this movie.
2: Sure. And I I don't know. I think this whole movie talks about the role of superheroes in society, right? And you don't see any supers who are evil in this movie, right? Not explicitly. You have some right. guys that are hypnotized right. um, who they have to fight, but Evelyn, the one who's behind it all, she's just a regular person. Same thing with the last movie, Syndrome. He was just a regular dude. He just had some really cool technology that he had built. Um, But he
0: wasn't a superhero. That's a good point.
1: Yeah, you don't really, like, notice it until it's brought up. But, yeah, didn't Evelyn use the, like, hypnotism technology or some nonsense like that?
0: Wait. Yeah, of course. She was screenslaver. Yeah,
1: she's screenslaver. And then she used... I don't know how she... Well, I I
0: guess what we're saying is, like, there are... It's easy to advocate for, like, doing good, which when is the you, same thing. It's just, like, doing superhero stuff. Right. When there's no examples of someone not doing good by being a superhero. Right. right. Like, the only time that being a superhero is bad, really, is the collateral damage. And they try to change that with the, the body cams and, uh, you know, yeah. giving people the perception. Yeah. And, oh, oh, speaking of perception, though, uh, because... At the beginning of this movie, of course, it's awesome. You get to see the Incredibles logo and all that stuff. There are people in our theater, we went the Monday after release. So Mm -hmm. it was not opening night. And the theater was still relatively packed. But people clapped at the Incredibles logo. Yeah. Which, I don't know. I understand being excited, but they can't hear you. (laughs) You're
2: clapping. (sighs) That's like a thing now. You just, like people do that for like Star Wars and stuff. Like yeah, I've heard it in Star like, Wars. Yeah, man, got a clap for that. I
0: heard it. I've seen it in Star Wars at the first one, the uh, episode seven. Uh, not the first one, obviously, but like first one in a the while. Force right, the Force Awakens. Right in The Force Awakens. I was a, Which was, call- was
2: undercut by the booze and 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 like heckling during the Last Jedi. Right. Oh God.
0: Right, 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 but, <laughs> <laughs> but like. What is your intention if you're clapping or heckling? To show your a movie? um
2: appreciation
0: to who the other moviegoers? You're interrupting the movie yes. experience. You're, because... you're definitely you're you know you're saying my clapping, my appreciation for this movie is more important than you hearing it right now. Yes, Prozone <laughs> when he showed up, the same row of like. Super fans, whatever, <laughs> uh, started clapping, and I'm like, "Oh, good! I didn't want to hear what Frozo said when he showed up. Yeah, because I, I'd much rather hear you hooping and hollering and clapping your hands together like a seal." Okay, <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, I, yes, so that, anyways, no, that,
2: that's exactly it, though. Like, you know, these people who who do these things, people that text during the movie, or you know, like have their phones on during the movie, and have like. the the ringers go off and everything they don't they don't have any idea that they're not the center of the universe right they think that what they think and what they want to hear and what what they want to say is more important than anything else anyone else could possibly want so being in this public space that everyone else paid money for
0: uh gives them a right to you know be obnoxious well it's kind of ironic because i feel like they're clapping because they're like, all of you here are witness to great cinema. Like, you uh, look at me appreciating this movie. Right. But what they're really doing is saying, like, this movie is, like, you know, worth appreciating, but fuck you, pay attention to me, you know? Yes. And and I, so, I wasn't a fan of it. It
1: didn't help that they were, like, right behind
0: us. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> and, and listen, I was silently applauding in my own head when I saw the movie. Because, obviously, I was... Excited too, but that's where I stand on clapping in the theater. I don't think, you know, send them a audio file, email Pixar an audio file of you clapping your hands because <laughs> clapping in the theater is not going to reach them in any real way.
1: I mean, at least, like, you know, clap at the end. Damn. Um, yeah, that,
0: that that would work, too.
1: You know what I mean? I. It's one thing to, like, clap, you know, at the end where, like, the credits are going and everyone's just like, fuck, yeah, what a great fucking movie. And then it's something else entirely different when the opening, like, you know, logo gets on screen and we're trying to hear, like, what the fuck's going on, only to be drowned out by a sea of clapping by a bunch of seals.
0: So, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because I'm tired of it. I wish there was a way to, like, witness the first viewing of a movie that you'd see in a movie theater. But also guarantee that there won't be a bunch of assholes sitting around you.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, there's not really. Um, besides, there's, like, yeah. <laughs> totally adjusting your schedule and, like, saying, oh, you know, I'll go Monday morning or, like,
0: right. during the week when no one else is yeah. there. Yeah. But-
1: like, you can't really avoid it unless you just go straight out of your way to avoid it.
0: But even then, you know, it, I think what I really want is no one else in the theater with yeah. me. I want some sort of... Yeah, but anyways, we're getting off on that. <laughs> I just wanted to say, st- if you're yes. listening to this, don't clap in the movie theater. <sighs> Be
1: courteous to your fellow moviegoers. Yeah, and obviously don't
0: text and all that stuff. But I, I've, Incredibles wasn't bad for that as far as our anecdotal evidence here. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, let's let's keep moving forward here.
2: So let's go back to like this public perception of superheroes thing. So um the first movie kind of establishes this idea, um, which is very similar to Anne Rand's idea that she puts forward in Atlas Shrugged. And she has this philosophy that she um, came up with called objectivism. And okay. um, yeah. objectivism is as complicated as a whole philosophy. Uh, essentially, like the way that she lays it out in the book is that there are there are people that are in the right and there are people that are in the wrong. And you have to let the people in the right be like drive society forward and you can't listen to these people in the wrong. And it's almost like it's almost like a like a physical divide between the people that can and the people who just take. And um, I don't think that's actually true, but I do think that objectivism has kind of an interesting, like, take on the world, at least something worth considering. Maybe not an accurate one, but it, it she definitely puts forward this um, moral uh, argument for capitalism, which I find really interesting. Um, and it's based on this whole idea that, like, you have to let the betters in society take control and let them you know do what they're meant to do you can't hold them back and i, I mean, think who
0: decides what that means what is who who are the betters well
2: that's that's where that's where it kind of gets tricky right is that like it becomes uh hard to make draw that line anywhere because it doesn't really exist it's much more vague than what she puts forward and in, in right novels. but it
0: sounds like if it's based in like capitalist values then the betters would be the people the who are able to get the most money, right? Yes, the yes, rich so that's, people.
2: that's what she argues in her book, is that, like, your value as a person is directly related to how much money you can make in a capitalist society. That's that comforting. That that's good?
1: very comforting, and I'll know that as a, like, in-debt college student, that my, like, <laughs> stock as a person must be pretty ass. Because... <laughs> um,
2: I like I, right, right. Yeah, that's you've said yeah. it all with the in depth. Yeah, you, you, yeah, that's that is a good point. But like, her argument is that good business is also good, like morality. Like, in order, to, like, if you want to be successful in business, you also have to be a good person, um, which like totally goes against capitalism. It kind no, it's, like not, it's wow. not always not. It's not. It's not always not true. Like, there are some instances. Where being a good person benefits you directly, where like you become trustworthy as a company and people trust you, um, and that therefore you can law. you can grow from there. But of course, in a capitalist society, it's not always going to be that way. You know, the bottom line always wins out. So, it's not a perfect it's not a perfect philosophy, but it is interesting because this movie and the previous one reflect that by having people that are literally betters, the supers, who are born better than other people. And you have to let them take control, essentially. Let them do what they were meant to do and take and just, you know, shift the responsibility in a way. Right? Because, like, what does it mean exactly to make superheroes illegal? Like, does it mean that they won't cover the costs of their, of their like, antics? Because that's not necessarily true. The government was control like, was doing that for a long time until the very first part of this movie. And, like, I guess you could try to arrest them, but a lot of them have these powers that are pretty much unfathomable. Like, you can just... They can't do anything. Like, you know...
0: Like some of them can literally go through walls. Like yeah. Like, you could yeah. put them in jail. The,
2: they would, the only reason that they would go, like, surrender to the police or anything is because they wouldn't want to hurt anyone. It's nothing to do with, like, being overpowered, right? There's right. no way to actually right. enforce this law is basically what I'm arguing. And then... Um, so it's interesting that like at the end of this movie, like it ends on this note of like, oh, superheroes are legal again. You know, these people that have these superior abilities are good to help us all. And it really just feels like this kind of strange propaganda in a way because you never see like a dark superhero. You never see a super a, a someone with superpowers using them for their own personal gain. You see them f- using them for their, um, you know, for the benef- betterment of society.
0: Well, yeah, I mean. Kind of theme between the two movies is like the only thing keeping heroes from being good is when normal people try to meddle with them. Exactly,
2: you know? that's exactly it. When when you know Syndrome is a perfect example of someone who tries to be super, um, but because he wasn't born that way, he was he was never a true superhero. But like the other argument is that um, he's doing it for the wrong reasons, right? He wants to be seen as a superhero. But he's really just causing the problems that he's that he's coming across and you right. can say the same thing right. about Evelyn right she's both the benefactor she's also she's the one who puts Elastigirl uh, on the streets again but she's also the one that causes the conflict that leads to Elastigirl like capturing and and finding out about screen right she is screen so she's on both sides she's the superhero
0: and she's a super villain right well let's talk about I mean obviously Evelyn's smart right but her superpower, I think, would being would be being in a wealthy family. She yeah. has a, Well,
2: she's also like a brilliant designer, right? She's she built all this crazy stuff that you've never yeah, seen. She before. like builds
1: so much tech and stuff like that. But I wouldn't really say that's like a straight up
2: superpower
1: though. That's just, you know, her and syndrome sharing in like inventive nature and like you know, not super...
0: Well, yeah, obviously. It, I don't think anyone's saying it is super, right? But it's the thing that lets them contend with supers. Right. And so I, I'm arguing that no matter how good of a designer she was, I don't know if she would have been able to do what she did if she didn't have her rich family, right? Which, just like right. the supers, she was born into.
1: Right. Hmm, that's really that's a really Being point. Being rich is a superpower. Confirmed.
0: Yeah, that...
2: <laughs> That's no, what that's, it boils down to. I mean, that's definitely true. You see that in everything.
0: <laughs> Being born rich, I guess. Being
2: born rich is a superpower, yeah. and we can
1: never deny it from this point on.
0: <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well,
2: I mean, it just makes it easy for you to to see what's see what's what, what she's capable of, right? She's, right. But she has I, unlimited resources.
0: I'm actually, I really hadn't thought of it that way. Uh, where they're kind of pushing a message. So, what do you? You said it was like propaganda. What do you feel like? the propaganda is trying to convince us of trying to
2: convince us that superheroes are like superheroes are necessary that we, we need them in order for us to be a safe society. Like there, we shouldn't be pushing down these exceptional uh, like individuals. We shouldn't be like forcing them to hide who they really are, which I think is kind of this, this message of like, you know, acceptance that this movie is trying to push forward, but it's acceptance for people that don't need it, right? It's their superheroes are arguably the most privileged group in the world. Like you don't, they don't need this extra, you know, push necessarily to be accepted in society, except for the fact that they were literally ostracized earlier in the story.
1: Yeah, can we point out that, like, right after the mole man does his thing and Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl are, like, in custody, they told like, the government totally shits on them. It's like, oh, the money for the banks wasn't short. You didn't need to save the day. We much preferred that you
2: didn't. But yeah, um, but... It, until they just <laughs> yeah. shit on them. Yeah, but, like, it makes yeah. perfect sense because the, the Underminer left his his drill to go off to the surface. If Mr. Incredible hadn't been there, then he would probably just dove deep, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess. uh... Well, the thing is, the Supers didn't change anything, right? Yeah. Underminer got away with the money and a lot of the city still got destroyed, right? I mean, who knows? Maybe the Underminer would have sent his drill to the surface anyways, because if no one's trying to stop him, he can literally do whatever he wants, right? So, mm so, But I think that was the thing. They showed up first off. They looked incredibly incriminating. Ooh. Like it looked like the Incredibles were the ones That's who did it. That's strike one. Stuff. So
1: strike one, Joe boy.
0: So it's it's all the public perception that matters, right? So I think they got that across. But they were pretty direct and savage in like the the i don't know like interrogation police, room. yeah the yeah, police, they were like, like headquarters we like we well because i think mr incredible even says that he's like would you'd rather we did nothing and it's yes. like yes yeah like please you know yeah so,
2: yeah but like i it also kind of plays into like that later theme of like how do you save people exactly right mr incredible is messy he destroys a lot of stuff even if like, even though he does have a like a point you know heavy duty problems require heavy duty solutions but that doesn't necessarily mean that every problem has to be solved that way i mean even in the even in the first movie you see all the destruction that he causes just in a, n- a normal day right i mean he like uproots trees and destroys cars and he's smashing through windows and everything alaska girl like she definitely i mean in this movie you see a lot of the stuff that she gets to do and I mean, she does it with no casualties, right? Nobody gets hurt or anything, but also, like, very little public damage. You know, her bike explodes. um, She destroys, like, an abandoned building. She smashes a couple windows, but, like, it's all very minimal, right?
1: Well, she doesn't have, like, super strength. She can't just, like, knock down a building willy-nilly like Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. Mr. Fantastic. Like Mr. Incredible can.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. But that's, like, uh you know, extra bonus for yeah. using her instead of Mr. Incredible, which may have been part of the intentional rollout of the superheroes again.
1: Our best play is Elastigirl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. <But> not me.
1: <gasps> That's something else I want to bring up. Um, I guess in this uh, new progressive age that we live in, uh fantastic girl was chosen as like the uh the introductory like you know first time supers are back look at this shit um superhero mm-hmm. uh, and we get to see a whole body cam and everything for her um which we can get into that a little bit later because you know body cams being on i guess uh uh in like p- protection officers sure I don't know. I thought that was like a, a a reference to that. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just wrong and I'm pulling at threads, but um, it was nice to see that um, like a female superhero could just be treated like a superhero instead of kind of. I mean, you know, like kind of making it a little obvious
2: and a little on oh, the yeah. nose, like like a, a novelty thing. Like, oh, look at our first female superhero. Yeah.
1: And, like, don't get me wrong, I, um, it, like, I, I, I just don't really care in the sense that, like, a superhero is a superhero, there's not supposed to be, like, a, a gender divide, and, unfortunately, it, it, like, people really, like, make it sound like there is. Hmm. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm just used to seeing, like, um, I guess, like, as I read a lot of comics, there's a lot of uh, female superheroes, so maybe I'm just more used to it, and it's more commonplace. But, I don't know. I like how, in this movie, we have a female superhero, a female supervillain, and they're just treated like a hero and a villain. They don't have to really, like, you know, you know boot me on the nose any more <laughs> than, like, necessary, you know? I like
2: the way you said that. Yeah, but, like, it's... um they do they talk about in the movie like specifically about how um they live in like a man's world in yeah a way, right? and like uh. and how like yeah mr incredible feels entitled to that role just because he is mr incredible and he's kind of like almost like the superman of this world right he's kind of he's not just strong man he's mr incredible right he can do all these things he's super agile and and you know Perceptive. And strong and yeah yeah you know, the one to um, like take charge and yeah. but like I really like that part where they talk about the cost benefit of superheroes. They have like a whole analysis of pie charts and everything. It's, <laughs>
0: yeah. Like, oh, it's like yeah, yeah that's know, exactly
2: that's right. And like it, but it makes perfect sense too. In like our own climate of superhero movies, where we're just tired of the needless destruction, right? We you see all this stuff happen, and we we never really consider the consequences. Where this movie really tries to hammer home that there are consequences and that like you know we can show you great action without showing you tons of destruction
0: well i i kind of want to go back to just justin's point of like pointing out that mrs incredible gets to kind of be like the main hero in this one like in the first incredibles mr incredible goes to the island fights the robots like he's off doing the legal superhero work uh and but now we get to see uh elastigirl and i think After Incredibles 1, I think I referred to her as Mr. or Mrs. Incredible just because they're married. They're married, right? And like, they're the Incredibles. So, yeah. yeah. But I don't think you can, like, do that anymore. She's definitely Elastigirl. And she gets to uh, kind of flesh out who she is a little bit more as a superhero as opposed to a mom. Uh, And I mean, she did plenty of superhero stuff in the first one. But still, in this one, we get to see her by herself. She gets the stage to herself. And she's another superhero right it it's not the whole time being like oh she was able to do that because she has ovaries right it's <laughs> she's just she's able to do it because she's a last girl and you can just appreciate that for what it is uh which is i don't know it, it's hard to get really into the, the like the nitty-gritty of why it works but it works uh in the same way that screen slaver works you know you can be a female and not have to be so on the nose about how it's like. Ooh, female empowerment! Look, 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 look! look. Elastigirl is the superhero in this one, right? It just happens.
1: And it happens I, naturally and organically, and like you don't have to really, you know, make a whole big deal out of it. And it just let it happen, and it's so much better. Sure. Um, uh,
2: I really thought they were gonna lean into the fact that she was like a mom. And that she was a superhero at the same time. I thought they were going to use that for like their PR purposes. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see how that would be like cool. I was just, but like, oh, um,
1: I'm your average everyday mom, well, and also I'm a
0: superhero. Well, exactly, she is right. Yeah. I mean, she like the house goes to shit when she leaves.
1: Yeah, the house kind of does. But
0: we get a really interesting development uh, for Mister Incredible because now he has to a not be in the spotlight anymore they even talked about that where he he was like the premier superhero and while elastigirl was definitely up there you know she was always in you know more popular superhero shadows so uh now you know the the paradigm is shifted and mr incredible has to let elastigirl shine and simultaneously become a better parent uh, so it's it's kind of cool to see him A, genuinely uh, be behind his wife's success, like support her, because at first he doesn't, right? When she stops the train, it's agony for Mr. Incredible to see her all over the news and stuff, and not him. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? And then uh, later he decides to stop letting being a parent torment him and actually, you know, get become mr incredible the dad and he becomes really good at that so it's kind of cool to you know you kind of see new things from both of them uh, switching from parent to superhero and superhero to parent
1: it's a i don't know it's really fun to see the paradigm shift though um, I don't know, because I think, like, being a stay-at-home dad is becoming more and more, like, relatable. Oh, yeah. Again, in our, like, progressive world, um, where we challenge paradigm views and, and whatnot. Um, I think it was... I Honestly, I think it was really cool.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I thought it was a creative way to, to take on a sequel, right? Right. Like, the... Proven formula of Mr. Incredible going off on his own to do a lot of the plot development by himself, mm-hmm. and then kind of having Last and the kids as like another unit right. that works. Right, that was incredible. That was incredible. And they decided to th- throw that out and go with something new, and I appreciate that.
2: Agreed. Uh,
1: agreed. Um, let's see. Oh, um. I guess since we're on the topic of, uh, incredible being a dad, uh, should we talk about Jack Jack and how he has so many goddamn powers. It's so funny. Um, what is it? He sees like 17, I think was the final count.
2: I don't know if that's actually true. I, I think that was just an exaggeration. I,
0: yeah, I think, well, I think they might be trying to keep it ambiguous, keep the door open right. for future powers. But, yeah, he definitely has a lot of powers.
1: Hey, he, like, turns into Edna at one point. Uh, What else? He just lasers out of his eyes. Oh, and he, like, he does do the pew-pew Uh, laser instead of just, like, you know, <laughs> eye beams.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Where, like, oh, someone so else funny. holds him like a gun. Uh, uh,
2: telekinesis. Uh, bursting into flames, turning into a little baby, like a baby demon, uh, becoming growing huge. in size, yeah, becoming huge, turning to steel,
1: uh, dimensionally like transporting. Oh them. yeah.
0: Going to another dimension. That was ridiculous. Uh, uh cookie. Uh, no okay. Cookie. So while we're on the topic of like changing things up, but also using the same characters, I guess, uh, I liked Edna in this movie. Pretty much just as much as I liked her in the first one. Because, I mean, the first one, she was this eccentric designer who, you know, is an artist. And she makes these amazing costumes for the – or super suits, I should say. Which is – she still does, but they added this new dynamic where, you know, all throughout the movie, nobody can handle (laughs) Jack-Jack. And then as soon as he shows up at Edna's – they she get along royally, which right. only makes perfect sense, right? Like Edna, is so resistant to having a kid around, but as soon as, well, as soon as it shapes shifts, as soon as Jack Jack makes himself look, look like, like Edna, Edna, she falls in love. Obviously, because yep. she's very vain, <laughs> and uh, and it it's hilarious, great comedic effect. <sighs> yes, so, uh, uh, what did she say? She says, um,
2: "He he is bright." And I am stimulating. We deserve each other, darling.
0: <laughs> so, and that's the thing. You gotta keep... Like, we knew Edna was gonna be in this movie, right? You couldn't yeah, yeah. leave her out. But she couldn't just show us more super suits. She does. She shows us yeah. Jack-Jacks. Uh, but she also shows us this new her new capacity to be... A babysit. Auntie E, right? Auntie E. So, uh, I... I I I'm I'm applauding that as well.
2: Yeah, I'm super glad that they didn't like overdo it. You know, I was really worried that they were gonna like really hammer home, like, oh, Edna's in this movie again. Kinda like what they did for Quicksilver in the X Men movies. Right, right. Yeah. But well, and um, also
0: like, oh Edna's got a superpower now. Yeah, doing the same like,
2: thing, but like um, just like more, and this yeah. one, they they develop her more as a character. And there's it's really tasteful how they just put her in there just for a brief amount of time. You know, she's only in there, like I think she's in there even less than she is in the first movie. And yeah, yet I'm pretty sure she um, is.
0: Well, in the still, still, the still mode show. logo yeah. that she had it was on yeah. the bag. That was awesome. Uh, so, oh, did you? Oh, speaking of super suits, did you notice that
2: Elastigirl's Girl's suit rips and she has to put on her 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 suit that animator her.
1: Yes. Uh she like Edna even mentions when like Mr. Incredible first comes, And she's like uh excuse me, a Galbani. She's wearing something like Galbani. I am insulted. Uh, and yeah. then, like when Jack Jack's like leaving is like, hey, my fee for babysitting Jack Jack is being your like personal suit designer forever to like Always forever. time. Forever.
0: Yeah. <laughs> she's got the connection and honestly She's not asking that much because they get awesome super suits. Also, like,
1: really, really good super suits.
0: Yeah. Well, so. so while we're... I'm going to continue on this idea of, like, using things that people love from the first one but not overdoing it or ruining it. Uh, the well, Frozone's wife... Oh, yeah. Frozone's wife Honey. was such a beloved part of Incredibles. And we never saw her. Well, I guess... I don't think any of us wanted to see her. That's true. We didn't see her in the first one. So I think if they made a whole character for her, that would have been overkill, right? Unless they yeah. did it perfectly, which you never know, right? right. So, But in this one, she's still... Got to yell in from the other room and, like, <laughs> resisting Frozo going to do superhero better stuff. better be back in seven. Right. But it was quick. And then that's it. So we got a call back to the first one. They didn't even try to top it, which I don't think they could have, right? The whole yeah. reason why it works in the first one is you're kind of not expecting it, yeah. right? Because that's the part of the movie where everyone's, you know, doing superhero work yep. again. You know, supers are back. And Frozo can't find his suit because his wife wants to go out to dinner. Yeah. So, uh, again, it was well executed because they didn't try to top it and they didn't rely on that to be the strength of the film. Right. They, They had... You know, a bunch of new stuff that they knew that they were trying to get us to like, and they weren't resting on their laurels and rehashing jokes to.
2: Yeah, it was it was a callback to the first one, but it wasn't relying on the first one to sell the joke.
0: Yeah, Yeah. agreed.
1: Uh, But speaking of new things, though, can we talk about the new superheroes? Like void and uh, reflex, reflux. Ooh, reflux. Reflux, yeah. yeah those yeah. are actually. Oh my, my god, top. reflux. I love those too. Uh, uh, and then like brickmaster, whatever the heck brick that from one Wisconsin. guy's name
0: is. Um, uh, wait, what was his name? Brick. I think it was brickmaster. I thought it was just brick. Brick from uh, Wisconsin. Brick. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember all of them. There is a lot of them, but there's
2: a bunch of new ones. Like and Void. Owl and screech the
0: owl and uh,
2: that one guy who's like has electric powers and of course my favorite the crusher
0: yeah the crusher who when can't uncrush he can't I even mean do that. fathom uncrushing <laughs> things yeah <laughs> that was so funny dude screech i will never get sick of like animal humor jokes like have you, you I mean, if you've seen Bojack Horseman, they yes. do a lot of casual animal humor because the characters are animals. Uh, but Screech had some funny head-turning gags in this that I enjoyed.
1: Yeah, it was pretty funny to... I don't know, it was just funny to see all the uh, the new supers in action. Um, yeah, it was cool. Oh, I- and, like, Reflux definitely threw me off because I thought he was going to be, like, acidic... Uh, you know, like Acidic Blast and psychic Lava.
2: Um, and that was really cool. <laughs> that that was gross. <laughs> um, it was cool watching them fight um, other superheroes, because they never saw that in the first one. They were fighting, like, robots and stuff, and, like, guys and yes. things, and, like, regular guys. But in this one, they were actually had to, f- like, contend with other superheroes. And it added some really cool fight scenes, so.
1: Oh, yeah, no. The fight scene at the Avengers Home... Hu- Avengers Home. The, uh, <laughs> Uh, The Incredibles home with uh, uh, Void and the whole scene with Dash like running through the portal and just like going in a loop. That was awesome.
0: Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, that's why I love the character of Void. Well, first off, she's obviously one of the new superheroes that we're probably going to see more of moving forward. She definitely got some character development as like a Elastigirl super fan. Yeah. Which it definitely was kind of like the girl power aspect but again right. i am at a i'm struggling to find the words for it but it just it doesn't seem as shoehorned or as forced pandering? as you see pandering yes, yes. it's not it's as not pandering, pandering as you see some other movies it just seems like a realistic portrayal of how a like a low tier superhero uh, who's a female would view uh, like a legendary superhero that's the same gender and in a world that obviously it's like our world in the sense where yes it is somewhat male dominated so uh so uh, yeah i i liked her a lot i'm also a big fan of portal the video game portal (laughs) 2 so i love seeing gags where you know you have use the portals yeah use portals, the portal right?
1: tags are so fun
0: like my favorite one was when uh dash i think he ha- i think he has jack jack in his hands so when they're getting attacked at their mansion home yeah 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 and he's like running in a straight line but he just keeps going through the same yep. portals and you can see down the hallway of portals yeah super it's super cool. cool camera angle yeah yep.
2: i really liked the uh, the fight with her and uh violet when they were um she was, like, teleporting into her her, uh, her shields. That was awesome. Oh,
1: yeah, that was really cool. Um, being within this shield kind of makes, like, the shield pointless. Um, yeah. Because, you essentially, you're just, in like, boxing yourself in with the bad guy. Which, I understand, in this case, it's just a superhero being mind-controlled. But, you know, uh,
2: it's the same thing. Yeah, I was wondering about the, the mind control in this movie. Like, how exactly does that work? Like, does she just say, fight these people, and then they just, like, fight to the best of their ability? Or is she, like, dictating how they need to use their powers?
0: I'm not sure. It seemed like... The-
1: it seemed like she just gave a command yeah. and then, like, the supers did it from there. Right, um, but,
2: like, what about, like, the pizza guy? Like, that whole thing with with him fighting Elastigirl, right? Like, he, um... You know, he's, like, super... Ah, uh, man, I don't want to use the word super, but he's, <laughs> he's really... Um... Like capable, right? He's using the the goggles, like the flashlight inside her eyes, and he's like fighting her and using the taser and everything. Like, is that something that like she was controlling him, like saying like punch, punch with your right foot, you know, like kick, kick now, um, you know, flash her with that with the goggles. Was she was she like commanding all of that, or was she just like fight guy who has never fought before?
0: I feel like people who are hypnotized are good at following commands but i don't know if they have to be that distinct right like mm-hmm. maybe she was like leader in here and then like beat her up <laughs> run away you know like yeah. just general steps
1: pretend to actually be screen slaver um that <laughs> is your command <laughs> And now you're him. And, yeah, and yeah, he just he just went off and like
2: made this whole apartment and like researched hypnosis and like made <laughs> yeah. this little diagrams of eyes and she's like, wow, this guy was really serious about this. Like, yeah, this isn't works. is, <laughs> is hypn- hypnoti- works.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna hypnotize my kids to clean their room. Like this is amazing <laughs> stuff.
2: <laughs> Turn well, his life around. Yeah, yeah. clean house.
0: But I guess yeah, if it sounded like it was more general heuristics. Over like you know body blow body blow uppercut body blow <laughs> <laughs> body Mid blow, punch,
2: body punch, blow, blow
1: uppercut down kick
0: but uh, so so like speaking of the hypnosis I feel like we all expected Elastigirl to at some point get yes. hypnotized it just made sense right like she's the one who's on screenslaver's trail screenslaver seems to be aware of everything. From the gate go like let's let's not forget the the, the screen on the train Yo, at the beginning. Welcome back, Elastigirl. Exactly. So <laughs> there's you know it wasn't too much of a surprise that eventually Elastigirl and also Mr. Incredible got hypnotized, but I was still surprised at the point where they did it because it was like Elastigirl is figuring it out and then wham right oh, in the yeah. face just got slammed. Him. Yeah. Did you see that coming? Did you see Evelyn as the the villain? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think I knew for sure. I thought it was somebody. I thought it was both of them actually. Me too. I thought it was going to be both of them too.
1: To be honest I thought they were going to reveal that like Winston had hypnotism powers and that like Mm. Evelyn was just the mastermind behind it all. And maybe like it's just because they definitely lean on one of them being the bad
0: guy so hard. Okay well Winston does have superpowers, and his superpower is that he's Bob literally Odenker. Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
2: and, like...
0: and not even that—he's Saul. He's, he's Saul Goodman. Literally, better call Saul. It's—I oh, love that. But like, basically, what Saul is good at doing is selling you an idea. And what uh, I think his name is Winston, Winston. Devin? Yeah.
1: He, Winston Dever. Dever.
0: Dever. Uh, Winston Dever has to sell to these superheroes the idea of like you know advocating back, yeah. for superheroes which I l- really enjoyed listening to him do that he, he does it in a way that only Bob Odenkirk can uh it's like a home run <laughs> casting and that's his superpower yeah
2: <laughs> yeah he was super, I don't know he was, he was really great he was like a really good um addition and like having him be the advocate for for superheroes you know secretly it was interesting, but also like it was. It was interesting him being like a telecommunications mogul, right? Like he owned like the world's biggest telecommunications company, and he was like pushing an agenda, at the same right? Time. Which goes with you, your
0: something. your what was what was that like theory or thought like school of thought that you brought up earlier about like well, yeah, capitalism ob- and the objectivism. Objectivism, right? Because he kind of says that he's like yeah we built this huge telecommunications company so that we could influence policy like yeah and and that's basically what objectivism says is right right like yeah. by collecting the most money by becoming this massive telecommunications company Your he's earned the right and the power to influence so you know it just keeps on going with that same theme that this movie's pushing. Right. I, and then, I was and then super, the tab- to have
2: like superheroes under his control, right? Like they're almost they're employed by him in a way. And although he pushes to make them legal, it's really like a private company's push to infl- influence policy that like pushes this thing forward, right? They bring they bring the ambassadors onto his yacht, his private yacht, right? Mhm. He's not a, he's not a public official. He's just a CEO.
1: Well, well, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, he's a CEO, and he does, like, sponsor the superheroes, but I think towards the end, he he does try to make everything, like, public.
0: Um, right, was, well, was, I mean, it's public that a policy that he's, like, trying to influence, but... Uh, I guess what I wanted to say is I was super happy that he wasn't evil yes. because A, it shows that everything that he did up to that point was genuine. He really was trying to advocate for superheroes. And B, I get to root for Bob Odenkirk. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, Bob Odenkirk Always a win. is awesome. So. Oh, can we talk about the fucking uh, parents? Uh, the De- the Dever parents. Um. Oh,
0: getting murdered?
1: Yeah, getting totally murked. Um, and that they had a superhero phone line to Gazerbeam and, uh, what's his Vyronic. Vyronic. yes. And in the first movie, we find out that Gazerbeam gets totally, uh, again, murked by Syndrome, which is why he doesn't respond. And then, I swear, Fironic um, is one of the heroes that Edna mentions getting, like, cape-killed um i I guess is the fastest way to explain it sure um and i don't know if that's exactly right but i i swear um i swear he's one of the ones that gets mentioned so um that's just like the events of the first movie like greatly impact the uh the rest of the universe because if syndrome hadn't been like collecting superheroes and straight up killing them i somebody would have responded And then also, uh, I like how Mr. Incredible and Frozone and Girl get their own, like, private phone lines. Um, And I think that's a really great, like, homage to the, like, early 60s, like, early superheroes.
0: I totally agree. I love the, like, direct line to the superheroes. (laughs) Yeah. And also, dude, I mean, like. If you thought they were alive, you would definitely call up Gazer Beam. Oh dude. yeah. You'd make the people who broke into your house regret they'd ever like broken into the house of one of Gazer Beam's friends. Yeah, okay, but
2: why like... weren't the phones in the safe room?
1: <laughs> yeah. See, that's another question I was gonna bring like, up
2: later. See, this is this is so I think this is a really interesting dynamic that they put forward in this movie. It's like, where do you put your trust? And what responsibility do these people have to you specifically, right? Maybe the superheroes do have like a responsibility to protect the public, but does that mean everyone? Everyone specifically? And like, how fast are they, you know, meant to respond? Obviously, this guy's a VIP, so like, you know, their their friends they would they would they would show up anyway. But if it was just you know, would everybody would ha- should everyone have a phone installed? Should everyone have a private superhero that like comes to their house you know it's like oh my my neighborhood is protected by gazer beam so like it's interesting how they push this like idea of responsibility right it's like oh like i'm not responsible for my own safety these people are and i'm going to make sure that they you know come and rescue me instead of like doing the smart thing which would just be taking the matters into your own hands which is what evelyn advocates
1: it really does make you think about uh, the term your friendly neighborhood (laughs) Spider-Man. As if he really did just protect the neighborhood, uh, people definitely would have phone lines, like, just straight to him. But obviously that's not the case. And I don't know, I, I would imagine that superheroes aren't meant to protect, like, neighborhood by neighborhood even though they definitely can
0: um well right but i mean this guy had that line because he had the connections like right i don't know friends, if they were trying yeah. to make that like a common thing yeah uh, and it was i i don't know because he would brag about it to everybody yeah. so it was maybe just like him flexing as a it rich seemed guy, like yeah right? kind of like a novelty <laughs> He's thing flexing as a rich but, he, guy. but he put
2: his life on the line for it that's the thing
0: Right, but I, I, I always felt like that was kind of a weak point of it. Like, like there was some big, like, uh, we should either go to the phone or go to, go the, to the safe, safe room. room. Yeah. Going to the phone should immediately be followed by going to the safe well, room. Well,
2: right? uh, Well, they said he found him on the phone. He didn't have time to do one or the other.
0: The only yeah, time they
1: like the robbers came in. He didn't actually. have time right, to bone. Right, I mean. So he so would he have been time boned
0: to anyways, anyways. right? Like the robbers are just too quick. Like I don't know. I felt it was all right. If he had I don't gone straight like to the
2: safe room, then he would have been fine. But his instinct was to go to the superheroes. But the only reason why the superheroes
1: didn't respond is because they had been previously murked by. Well, Simba not necessarily. From the first
2: they were. Movie. This was soon after the superheroes became illegal, so they probably were still in hiding, probably didn't want to come to any phone call in
0: case it was a trap. Hmm. Okay. I, I hadn't thought about yeah, it for, like Yeah, I, I guess, yeah. I guess, is there any way to verify the timeline and know for sure this is after syndrome? Because oh, well, the movie yeah, I, implies that the I reason so, they don't show up is because this movie happens illegal.
2: directly after the first one, right? Right. And okay, right. they talk about how Winston was a kid when his parents were killed,
0: Right, okay. Implying you that,
2: that right. the, you see at the beginning of the first movie that, like, what, so so many years have passed, like, 10 to 15 years have passed, right? Yeah. So you could easily say that, like, this is soon after they had been there. Gazerbeam's skeleton was in the... The, um, uh, the cave. The cave. And so Syndrome would have to grow up, become Syndrome, and then kill Gazerbeam, right? So...
1: Yeah, but, I don't know. You can't just, like, become a sitting skeleton in, like, a couple weeks. That takes some, like serious time and and dedication unless his to, skin
2: was burned off in an explosion which syndrome was known for
1: i guess um i don't know i just i, I guess yeah I How, guess it checks well out.
0: it just yeah I, I just think syndrome would have been too young to be responsible for gazer beam not showing up yeah it, so and the movie like very directly implies that it's because of the new like legislation change yeah, okay, and superheroes yeah. being illegal. So, okay, I think we cleared that up, uh, and and I feel a little bit more confident in that as like a major plot point because that was kind of the division between the two Dever, right? The yeah. two Dever yeah. children, or the siblings, uh, one of them was like. Trusted superheroes. Yeah. And the other and one the said. Other didn't. Well, the other one bl- even blamed trust in superheroes as, like, the major downfall of their parents.
2: Yeah, well, she says that superheroes make us weak. I mean, that's the whole message of Screenslaver. Screenslaver says that we replace our reality with the, what we watch, right? About, oh, yeah. Our, yes.
0: Screenslaver's monologue when. Uh, Elastigirl calls into the night like yeah, talk the, show, yep. and yeah. she's like tracking his location. Screen monologue is actually kind of compelling, like it talking is. about how we live our lives through screens. Like everything's fairly like low stakes. We let the risk happen, you know, elsewhere. El- well, yeah, and it's fake risk, right? So that's right. We
2: we consume everything through our screens. We make sure that. Um, you we're know, we're at we're everything's held at a distance, and we don't actually experience anything real. All of our relationships, all of our you know struggles, all happen through something else, not to us.
0: Which and, I thought was really cool, like a uh, a compelling villain they built in screen slaver. Right, which... but that's
2: also ties into like the telecommunications thing, right? Like they are. Affecting perception, and their sh- and screen is showing how perception ruins us. Same thing with the superheroes, right? She says that superheroes uh, make us weak because we put all of our stock into them. We we ha- we live vicariously through our superheroes that we like. We we show that you know their struggles are our struggles, but they never actually really struggle, um, and therefore neither do we. That's a good way of putting it, actually. It really
1: hit the nail on the head.
0: Yeah, I I thought it was really cool. Like, a very provocative supervillain for this movie. So, uh, I'm going to take advantage of this slight lull in conversation, take us to the break, uh, but stay with us. We'll be right back uh, to finish up talking about Incredibles 2. Mr.
2: Incredible, Incredible. Yeah! Ah.
0: Heavyweight problems need heavyweight solutions.
1: Mr. Incredible's is my hero.
0: And now you can team up with Mr. Incredible.
1: He's super strong. Yeah. You're my
0: favorite, Mr. Incredible. Mr. Incredible! Available wherever toys are sold. Leave the saving of the world to the men. I don't think so. Here comes um, to touching the heart.
2: You can team up with Elastigirl.
0: I love
1: my Elastigirl.
0: Together, you can stop any villain. She's the long arm of the law. Buy your Elastigirl wherever toys are sold. Who's the cat who's always chill? Yes. When survival odds are close to me Frozen. I'll be there asap. Frozen. you can team up with Frozone. He's
1: super! I love you, Frozone. Buy your Frozone wherever toys are
2: sold. So let's talk a little bit more about Screenslaver and uh, his whole like plan. Like, Evelyn's plan is really complicated, right? Because she is playing both supervillain and superhero in a big way. Um, she's the one behind the train uh, attack, but she's also you know funding Elastigirl and helping her uh Get to that, and like that whole scene made me think that Evelyn and uh, Winston were behind the um, screen slaver attacks, just by the way that like um, they were handling the situation. Because Elastigirl tries every alternative to to stopping the train herself right she asked for failsafe she asked like to remotely access the train somehow she goes up there to the to the cabin and tries to get the guy to turn the train off but of course he's hypnotized so that's not gonna work so the last thing that she does is stop it herself um, by uncoupling the train and then using her parachute abilities And like this whole it's it's really interesting how like the screen slaver like wants to be caught right he makes all these efforts to be seen um, by Elastigirl so that Elastigirl know that, knows that he exists and that you know he can put up a good fight. And then when it's finally revealed that Evelyn is Screenslaver, um, she relies on this um, philosophy that she has about humanity, um, which doesn't carry over to superhero Elastigirl. And that theory is that humans want ease. They want convenience. You know, they don't actually want quality. They don't want anything that will challenge them too much. They want something that is too that is, uh, you know, easy to consume, easy to understand. And she's hoping that Elastigirl will fall into that same trap, the easy, um, by easily a- a capturing Screenslaver, that she'll be satisfied. But of course, because she's a superhero and better than everyone else, she does not. <laughs> That's well, true.
1: Yeah, she decides something's not like entirely right. And then goes to review the security footage, which is where uh, Evelyn gets to, like, see her in private one last time before she does the whole uh, reveal and slaps her with the glasses.
2: Yeah, was that her plan the whole time? Like, what, what exactly was her plan, right? she Was, gonna, like, was she going to be a screenslaver for a while? But it seemed like her, her next plan was to get the superheroes so that she could turn them against humanity. Um, Which was really interesting, too. It reminded me a lot of X-Men again. Like, that's her, like, what she's pushing, or what she's saying that the superheroes are pushing by hypnotizing them, if that makes any sense. Her plan for the superheroes' plan is Magneto's plan, right? Like, we're better than everyone else, so we should be in charge. Whereas the superheroes kind of have this idea, the same idea that Xavier has, which is, you know, we're part of society. We want to fit in and do
0: our part. Well, as far as, like, predicting her plan or trying to, you know, go back over her footsteps and decide what was her plan, uh Winston does give Elastigirl the mask, the, the same mask that she eventually pulls the goggle, goggles out of and gets slapped on her face and she becomes yeah. hypnotized. So... Evelyn very easily could have been like, Winston, definitely, like, make a show of giving this to mm. Elastigirl. Like, definitely make sure this hand ends up in her hands. Uh, and maybe at that point, after observing so much Elastigirl, you know, they got cameras on her everywhere, they, they would know that she would maybe figure it out at that point. Or Evelyn would know that Elastigirl yeah. would figure it out. Or maybe
2: she out. would just get really drunk and then wear the mask. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Me, flavor. Flavor. <laughs> oh, look at me, I'm Screen Slaver.
1: Look at uh, me, I'm
2: Screen Slaver. i control all screens. <laughs> yeah. Screens control you,
0: but I control screens. Isn't
2: that kind of what he says? It's something it, like is that. Is it?
0: That sounds like a knockoff of Undertaker. It does, you're right. <laughs> the
2: Undertaker? The Undermine. <laughs> that's always going to take. But yeah. The Undertaker. Wait, is John Cena in this movie? Oh, wait, was that what I said? Underminer. (laughs) Underminer. Anyway, it's like, her plan is, like, really complicated, but uh, it feels, like, appropriate, because Evelyn is so smart, and she demonstrates that numerous times throughout the movie. Also, it seems... To have it kind of be convoluted. Right, well,
0: it seems like being able to hypnotize people is... kind of allows you to have a complicated plan. Like, yeah. They'll do exactly as I say, so I can make them do do anything. Like, it was pretty important to have hypnotized cronies on that plane or the boat to make it impossible, basically impossible to stop it from crashing into the city, right? Like, they had to have Mr. Incredible go in there and wreck the stuff, like the Uh, control equipment. Yeah.
1: That's
2: right. That was all part of the plan, so
1: was all part of the plan. Mr. Incredible would like destroy the controls, the last, like they destroyed the bridge so the boat couldn't be like turned or anything. Yeah. And then a way to stop it was for uh what, Frozone to like wreck part of the uh uh the, the aqua, aquafin thing on the out front like, yeah. the outside yeah, of the boat. Yeah, I mean then, they found a way to yeah, they stop found a way it, to but
0: it. it the whole plan uh, was easy to pull off as long as all the superheroes stayed
2: under her uh, control, exactly. Yeah, but like her downfall was she didn't do enough research. She didn't know that they had kids, so like I guess the superhero, the super, um, like the hidden identities, really worked because like she didn't know about these kids that showed up, and she was just like a super baby. You know? Do you
0: think that they all like all children of superheroes have powers? because they make a big show of trying to hide the kids powers right maybe they just thought they were kids
1: well I think that it would depend on the parents specifically I think that um, if both of your parents have superpowers then you are probably gonna get probably
0: a but definitely I think pro- I think it's, it's more like-
1: definite. With two parents having superpowers then just one parent i think right. if you only have one parent then you're kind of like you know out to the wind and you don't really know so but it, if you have two it's a lot more certain it's just like you got like a you know 85% and what chance. are you what are
0: you basing that on
1: um just a lot of just pop culture and other like
0: so not know, something in the, the incredible's universe no, i mean just you know else.
1: from, the, from the, the shared like superhero uh, genre it's kind of assumed that if your parents are superheroes and they're both superheroes and they both have powers, yeah. you're gonna like almost guaranteed get a power. Right, but do well, you remember? More them being,
0: well, do you remember them being surprised that Jack Jack had powers?
1: Yeah, but I think they were, like, surprised, too, that Jack-Jack didn't have powers. They made it a huge plot point in the first movie that he didn't have powers. And he was, like, the first one that, you know, like, doesn't have powers.
0: Right, but it seems like definitely a possibility, right? Maybe Evelyn just thought these two kids didn't have powers. Or maybe, maybe. He didn't even have them yet. Because that's another thing that they're surprised yeah. by with Jack-Jack, is that he has all these powers already, Right, so like, well, Edna
2: says that like it's more common for young kids to have more powers.
0: Oh, they like they grow out of their powers. Yeah, really. Okay, well, either way, I think you guys are right. She, like, Evelyn should have seen the kids coming.
2: I always assumed it was like Harry Potter, where like, like you could have a kid that wasn't a a wizard, but you could also be a regular person and have a kid who is a wizard, right? Yeah, you see that. In, in like multiple times in the Harry Potter universe so I assume it's like it's like that's just kind of random
0: that's how I right. kind of felt which is why you wouldn't guarantee that all your kids would be supers just because you're both your parents are but it seems likely it seems well it's like they wanted
2: likely. they wanted Jack Jack to be to not have powers in the first one because it made him more normal as they were trying to be right yeah. They thought like the powers were a burden that they didn't want to to deal with right they were this this extra thing that they had to hide from from the rest of the world. But of it's course why like
1: uh, it's why like Dash couldn't like participate in sports is because like he'd easily beat all the other kids. He's super fast, right? right. And
0: um, even though all he wants to do is compete, he's too powerful, right? Yeah. So uh, I also I I loved how much we got to see of Jack Jack with his powers in this one because he was such an interesting subplot in the first movie. Oh yeah, because you don't see him a lot, and uh, there's actually like a. Behind the scenes sequence where yeah. you see the babysitter, the babysitter yeah. like as things fall apart as Jack Jack uses his powers more and more but also so. a
2: callback to to Mozart from the first movie because uh, Edna plays jack jack
0: mozart and he oh. loves it yeah oh, And, uh, right. and nice. carry
2: the um, the babysitters like you know babies love mozart yeah <laughs> <Yep. laughs>
0: oh man yeah jack jack's great jack jack
2: is a great character he was he was really great my favorite scene is the the one with the raccoon oh, yeah, oh yeah, the
1: raccoon oh that had me like crying a little it was, so, was so funny fun. Oops, yeah. i love the
2: part where he he dog piles them he like multiplies and then he just like he just dog piles the raccoon whole bunch of that Jack-jack was something. hilarious and then when he bursts into flames and starts throwing stuff into the pool that was just hysterical Oh, what got me was when the raccoon
1: finally, like, attempts to, like, get the upper hand, and then Jack-Jack turns into, like, goo. Yeah. yeah. It totally just, like, nullifies
2: everything that the raccoon could do. So funny.
0: Yeah, so more jack jack is more jack jack was, yeah. was good.
2: that was uh, the whole thing where that starts where he's watching the tv and he sees the bandit and he thinks the raccoon looks like a bandit because he's got the mask on <laughs> <laughs> he just goes out oh. there and like throws the perfect throw of that chicken bone right back into the the, uh, the trash can oh yeah
1: yeah yeah i know what you're good. talking about that was really really good. Cool. good
0: sequence i would love to see it again uh speaking of the par children uh Dash in this movie continues his quest to master uh, remote controls. <laughs> remote controls. Oh yes. <laughs> um,
2: I didn't catch up on that, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so
1: the first time he encounters a remote control, uh, it's for like all the house water effects, right? Yeah. Like the waterfalls and, like... and the pools and crap. And
2: yeah. then, okay, but, oh, let me let me interrupt right there. Is, is this do you guys get the feeling that this um this house was a supervillain's house? With like the ah. moats inside and like had the secret entrances and exits, like it used to be a supervillain's ah, house. I didn't think about that, but I could I see it. I didn't really
1: think about that, but I, it, it does make sense.
2: And one of the one of the mugs that that Bob uses is like a, it's like a little has like a little hand over a globe, and I don't know what the logo said on it, but it feels like that was like maybe that was DevTech. Kind of thing like controlling the world through their telecommunications or maybe it was the previous owner's mug because he was a super villain
0: that is cool i didn't think about that that
1: would be kind of cool didn't he say though he had like it bought that house he doesn't use it and like it's just free for the uh incredible yeah he studios? bought it from
2: some other eccentric billionaire who never liked to see like always wanted to hide when he was coming and going so he had a bunch of secret entrances. That sounds a little suspicious, doesn't it? Yeah, it,
0: it, it sounds like it's a super villain.
1: Suspicious. Yeah, alright, so it's a supervillain's house. That's cool. Well, maybe. Maybe. You know, we're not
0: confirming that, <laughs> Right. Confirmed here. Yeah. Confirmed here forever. Uh, no, 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 because I'm trying to remember in the first movie... Oh, yeah, because I guess in the first movie, Dash kind of messes with the remote when he gets Syndrome's gauntlet. But he doesn't really, you know, that's not a huge plot point, but... In the second one, he deals with a house remote, and it, like, crushes some furniture. And, yeah, it crushes uh, some furniture. Gets people them. wet and stuff. Uh, and then he gets the remote to the uh, Incredimobile, which, the Incredimobile. Awesome. Uh, Oh, Incredimobile, the Incredimobile. yeah, Incredible. which I, I'm so glad that that exists. And uh, at first, he's just doing a bunch of crazy stuff, and the people who are there on TV are like, ah, you know, like, what's going on here? But then at the end, you get to see this kind of uh, harmony between Dash and the Incredibile that I think we might see a little bit more in the future. So Dash went from accidentally destroying things with his remote control to actually using the Incredibile.
1: Yeah, Ben, I think you mentioned it on the, our like walk home from the movie theater, but... Um, you had mentioned, like, Dash and the Mobile racing, and I think that'd be pretty cool. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Like, I didn't say, like, I was just I was saying that would be something yeah, would cool be that cool. could happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um,
1: especially because, because they're both fast, see. obviously, yeah. so right? Obviously, fast. they're both fast. And they yeah. seem to have a sort of, like, bond now, like you said. Yeah. So.
2: I so, yeah, Dash, cool. yeah, well, I don't know. Did so you guys Deus feel there was a lot more? The Mobile just shows up whenever they need it and um, solves all their problems. Right. comes well, becomes a boat, launches them onto the ship.
0: Yeah, listens to Dash's... Saves them
2: from the, uh, the, the other bad superheroes.
0: Well, it, it, yeah, it can hear Dash's very natural voice commands, where he's like, I wish the Incredibile could follow that boat. boat. Right? Like,
2: <laughs> Incredibile, follow a boat, yeah. Yeah. Easy. So. Um, But also, like, yeah, it has a summon button on the thing and that's not the first button that Mr. Incredible presses. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like Agreed. when he's when he's like, Oh, the car's been destroyed, let me just hit this button one last time.
0: Like <laughs> Well, did you feel like there was a whole lot of other character development for Dash?
2: Not exactly. You never see his powers develop as much as you do in the first one. Like in the first one, he learns that he can punch fast and that he can like you. You can help Violet with her like bubbles. But and run like on water. Run on water. You know, he, he, you see his powers develop, and um, which is really awesome. But in this one, it's really just him kind of running fast. He gets to like work math with his dad and be like. But I spook. would
0: argue that that's way more development for Mister Incredible yeah, than it is for Dash. Because like, I, as much like, don't get me wrong. Going to school and learning math is very important in right. every young person's life. Right. But I don't think it holds a lot of weight in the incredible cinematic <laughs> right, universe. Right, right, like, right, right, Unless Dash has to do some, like, simple math in the next movie. Oh, man.
2: How great would that have been if, like, at the very end he had to solve a math problem? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this saved the
0: day. That would have been funny. Uh, it would have been uh, but, hilarious. But, uh, like... Moving forward to the third and eldest of the Parr's children, Violet. Violet. I guess I felt like she had a little bit more development because she felt, I don't know, she just became more confident and she had to impress Tony once again. Yeah. You know, she had to kind of accept that even though, like, she had to accept that his mind was wiped and she had to kind of start from scratch. But it's not like had this long storied history yeah. before that they had a date set there's a misunderstanding now she understands it and she can just ask him out on. again yeah well right. not well, first first on necessarily but like yeah,
1: just move forward
0: yeah exactly like ask him out again mm-hmm. well first she has to blow water out of her nose <laughs> oh yeah uh. that was that was hilarious that's so uh, like a uh, cringy that scene yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, uh, her whole like—is ad- she having adolescence? <laughs> um, that whole like that whole scene was oh it was so funny.
2: But yeah, but she's trying to destroy the suit, but she can't because it's just too well made. But okay, yeah. did you notice like this whole development of like everyone was passing Jack Jack to each other? Yes.
0: yes. Okay. But, and uh, well, but, how did but, you feel about how that ended? Like the scene where Violet is like i'll stay here with jack jack like
2: right she was accepting responsibility for him you know she right. recognized that that was her like best situation, best place for it right R-
0: right, right right well yeah, i thought
2: that was nice like okay because like i, okay, cause, like, I felt
0: like it was a little bit <laughs> on the nose yeah i don't know like it shouldn't, it shouldn't feel like your such a responsibility, responsibility to take care of the baby you. this is literally your brother or your son, depending on which incredible you are. And yeah. it shouldn't feel like a huge sacrifice to stay with him and to protect him. If anything, like I would hope one of you would feel protective and be like, I'm not going out there. I'm staying here what with Jack, Jack, you know, but instead everyone's like, ah, I have to, I have to take care of our baby. My, you know, like yeah. I, I don't know. But how did you guys feel about that?
2: Well, yeah. I thought it was done better in Guardians of the Galaxy Two, where like Groot was like the collective kid for all of them, and they all like take care of him individually, you know, and they yeah, all like right. look out for him. But in this one, they're like passing him off, and like, oh, I don't want, I don't want to deal with the baby right now. Yeah, even though the baby is like the most powerful one out of all of them, and he'd probably be actually useful. Um, I think
1: that it was really well done and really funny for the underminer fight. I think it was just well done then because they didn't really know the baby had, like, a, a massive uh, store of powers. Um, and they're all still
0: new—well, yeah. not all, but, like, as a team, they're, they're new still to new fighting crime team. together. Yeah. And Dash and Violet both seem like they kind of want to prove themselves mm-hmm. and not— have to stay with the baby. So I I definitely right. so, the underminer, like, for fight, the it underminer
1: fight it was really funny. But I can definitely like uh sympathize. like definitely the joke definitely dragged through the movie a little bit. You definitely like kinda got tired of it at some point.
0: Like I'm on board with the idea of like accepting when your role isn't in the spotlight, but it's still the best role. I mean I think that theme carries through the movie. Right. Uh, you know, additionally with Mr. Incredible being a dad instead of like the first Mm -hmm. superhero in the rollout. But I just felt like maybe it was an execution. I didn't like that
2: very much either. You know, it did seem like they were but but I think it kinda goes into this other weird idea that this movie seems to push and that's like this idea that like superheroing is such a rush that like you can't possibly give it up once you start doing it right like um, girl like gets so excited because of the like she saved that train and everything is almost like she does such a good job of like you know saving people but also it seemed like such a, like a indulgement in her like fantasy in a way right and same thing with mr. Incredible he wants to go out there and do hero work because it makes him great not so much because it's saving people and even at the very end, when the, um, the, the family's going to the movies, and they push Tony out the car, right? Violet doesn't stay with him. She's like, oh, you know, I'm not going to miss this, obviously. You know, this is, this is fun and exciting. Like, we're going to fight crime together as a family. Like, the, you know, the, that addiction, it almost seems like. The, the um, drive to become a hero and be seen as a hero is almost like this, uh, you know, unhealthy obsession, for these people
0: yeah i guess i can see that
1: i could see it but um it kind of like you know if you say it it kind of like changes the uh i don't know it changes the like deeper meaning of a superhero are you really like a superhero just to save people and like do good or are you just in it for the thrill and i understand exactly. that like theme is played around and toyed with in the incredibles i guess, universe. But I don't think it's ever, like, specifically addressed.
0: Like, I don't know if their message is to say that that addiction isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Maybe just a side effect of doing good is thrills.
1: Yeah. Because <laughs> like I, I mean like as much as I want to say like oh Mr. Incredible only like is a superhero because it gives him the rush and it makes him feel good. I would say that he's a hero because he wants to help people on a genuine personal level, and the best way
2: he can do that is being Mr. Incredible. But, I don't know because if he does, if he only cared about like saving people, then he wouldn't care so much about Elastigirl doing
0: it.
1: Yeah, agreed. I, you're, it's I something agree. he
0: has to uh, grow and develop in. I Spot think that that is a character flaw, but I don't necessarily think that like enjoying the spotlight is a bad thing.
1: Yeah. Also, he kind of gets over uh, Elastigirl like taking the spotlight when he has to just focus on being a good dad. Yeah. Um, it just like it turns from uh like oh Elastigirl's like in the spotlight fuck to uh oh well elastigirl is in the spotlight and i'm definitely killing it as being a good dad um that's where i'm gonna just find joy in uh at this point and he does he does and then like elastigirl uh it, like said no i evelyn calls that girl has been hurt or something and then uh, Mr. Incredible uh, gets his, you know, shit and gear and goes to, I think they go to some mansion or they go to the, de- no, they go to the Devcorp building. Yes,
0: something. Yeah. but I don't think he was doing that because he was like, all right, time for the glory. I think he was like <laughs> yeah. genuinely yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. worried about his wife.
1: Yeah, right, right, sorry. Just-
0: so anyway, so uh, one of the things we talked about uh, during the break was that whether or not this movie, well, what the point of this movie, right? Uh, What what the point of this movie was. And uh, Justin brought up that he thinks it was to set up sequels to The Incredibles.
1: I just feel like this movie was so good, and it set up world-building in such a way that you like you definitely could get like a sequel or two from this easily like i know that we've been expecting Incredibles 2 and had a lot to live up to and but it did so it did so honestly maybe even like better than the first movie and um i could easily see an incredibles 3 and welcome it with open arms um and there's just like a lot set up that you could definitely just play into Uh, The Underminer is probably any coming back as another villain. Um, There's like other superheroes.
0: Yeah, likely see more development of Void.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, but I guess what I'm saying is while it does do some world building, which is usually a side effect of just making a movie, it doesn't focus on that at all, really. It brings us new characters, right? But again, I don't think bringing in new characters ex- explicitly is for making more movies. I would argue that Void had an impact on this movie. And it was, you know, a positive impact. Right. Like something, right. she brought something to the table now. Uh, the and same I agree. like Overall, like I felt like almost everything that happened in this movie paid off now. And while it right. might also yeah. pay off later... Uh, that if you're going to do world building, if you're going to set up for sequels, do it like this, where you don't really notice it.
1: Yeah, I feel, I don't know. I just think that now that everything has been set up, and now that like superheroes uh, under DevCorp are, you know, like legal and everything's kind of like set right again, that more sequels can be made. And I'm not saying that like this movie's whole point was to, like, set up and make more sequels. I just think that this movie was so good that um, I can almost guarantee, like, an Incredibles 3 is being, like, talked about and, like, considered and so forth. So I think that if, like, I know Brad Bird is the usual director for Incredible movies and, or the Incredibles movies, you know what I'm talking about. And I could also be see him being like, hey, um, someone else can definitely like step in into this universe and do their thing and really I guess expand the incredible cinematic universe um, sure and so
0: I know Jerry how do you feel about incredible sequels in the incredible cinematic universe
2: well I think these movies are really different from the rest of like the superhero genre even though super, we're totally saturated with superhero movies um, these movies aren't Necessarily just about superheroes, right? They're really like a family feature. It's about right. the family, and uh, Brad Bird talks talks about how he wants these movies to be more focused on like the mundane in a way. Like they have su- they're superheroes, they have super problems, but they um, they deal with like the consequences in like a very real way, right? Like Violet has boy troubles, but the reason she has boy troubles is because his mind was erased, which is something that only superheroes have a yeah. problem have. But like that's but a girl her your daughter having troubles with a boy is, is like a very real new. thing. Yeah. yeah, and then he talks about how he got the wrong batteries, which is something that we've all done. <laughs> he's talks about like having to get eggs and like working with and the, this baby is just totally exhausting. In the, I mean, he's a super baby, but like having a baby is exhausting. Like it's just like a full time job in itself. So all of those things like add to this movie's legacy as kind of like a more family feature, and for that reason, it stands apart. And so, so I feel like I'm not. I'm not done with the Incredibles. I feel like there could be more Incredibles. And as long as they aren't, like, soulless cash grabs. I mean, Pixar has been really good about making movies that matter, making movies that people want to see, right? Not Um, counting the Cars sequels. Yes. Even the Cars ones ones have, like, their merits, though. Because, like, the first one was, like, its own unique story. And then the second one was, like, trying to be something different, trying to appeal to the the audience that liked Cars, the, the first one, right? Yeah. So, like... You could say that it was like kind of a, a silly cash grab. I would say Finding Dory was also a little bit like unneeded. Yes. But at the same yeah. time, it was like, it's it's not the, it's not like Transformers 5. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Right. It's, it's, no, not, agreed. it's not built agreed. around this idea of like cynicism toward its audience. Like they care about what the audience thinks. They want us to like the stuff and they want it to be good so that we like it and can pass it on forever. Because what's so interesting about this is that this movie – was fourteen came out fourteen years after its its predecessor. The but the kids that are coming out to see, to see this movie weren't even born when the first movie came out. You know, right? Like, this, yeah. this is a whole different generation almost that's coming to see this movie. And um, for that reason, like it works as a sequel because you've you've almost forgotten that it's coming, right? Right. But also yeah. like um, it it lends itself to like saying we can take as long as we need as long as we're telling a story that people like.
0: Right, right, and that's what I—that's what it has to be. You have to keep up this level of quality because I—I I just when I hear "let's make a movie that sets up a sequel," all I hear is cash grab. You're doing yep. it to print money, and like I, this did print money. Everyone is going to go see *Incredibles* 2, oh, yeah. but Disney Pixar did us all a huge solid by actually making a good movie. Yes. Also. Right, they could have released a whole horde of shit that was just Incredibles, and they would have made money because people, everyone's gonna go see it. But they also decided to make a good movie. I would say, like, if they could make a solid Incredibles trilogy, like they've made a Toy Story trilogy, and I know they're trying to tarnish that with a fourth one, but we'll deal with that <laughs> when we get there. The but I, one. I think yeah, there's a real possibility they could make a solid third one, but. At some point, as much as I love these movies, I feel like at some point, you just gotta call it quits before it gets bad.
1: Yeah. Quit while you're ahead.
0: Yeah. Like, I think if they made one more solid Incredibles movie, then they can call it. I mean, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I'm really hesitant to just be like, oh, you made two movies that I like? Please make 18 more and, (laughs) like, never change the formula. Right? So, uh, I just... I, I hope that the massive success of Incredibles doesn't turn it into, into something that yeah. we hate eventually. So, uh, with that being said, <laughs> the last thing I have to talk about is if you stayed for the closing credits, which yes. is a superhero movie. I feel you like should. it's required, even though there's no post credit scene, really. Uh, you get to hear the songs that you hear. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Winston. Winston. Winston, Winston like, sing with sing. the superheroes, yeah. yeah. Which they're they're funny, they're they're great. The
1: old like uh, superhero
2: themes from like their TV shows, or yeah. Yeah, they're like they're like whatever. the Spider Man theme, like Spider Man, right. Spider Man. Yeah, Mr.
0: Incredibles is just like punching the bad guys, pow, pow, pow. <laughs> they're, they're, the, the lyrics are real simple, but the um,
2: the music's awesome. It's so good, like the the whole big band like thing. The yes. Score in this movie, yes. and uh, this is just awesome. It really like sets the time period so well. Oh, so well. Like, you feel well. like you're oh, watching like perfect. a James Bond movie, just like the way that they're everything's scored. A yeah, the classic. score is great.
0: Um, I, and the animation style combined with the score, with a lot of uh, trombone in it, yeah, reminds me of Team Fortress Two so much. <laughs> Have you ever seen the Team Fortress Two animated shorts? So similar in the. I would say just animation style and music. That's where the similarities stop. And also, I guess The Heavy is a similar build to... Uh, Brick. T- well, to Brick, yes. But also maybe Mr. Incredible. Yeah, maybe. But uh, but yeah, really enjoy the score. And those uh, like hearing a fleshed out version of the theme songs.
1: Yeah, I also want to say, I like how the animation in this movie was a... Um, not, like, changed, but just improved from the original. A lot of times, like, sequ- animated sequels will try to, like, change things, and nah. Um, I like how they kind of, like, kept it, um, and it's, like, normal style, and they just improved on it rather than, like, really change anything, you know? Um, it was nice. It was nice, cleaner, and crisper, and, you know, uh, almost snappier, even. Um, and it
0: was <laughs> it was just really nice. It was really nice. So. Snappier, good good adjective Yeah, Thank you But overall, yeah I mean, they knocked it out of the park for me I, I thought this was a really good movie uh, They lived up to the hype 14 years was too long But when it finally came out They delivered
1: Yes, truly, The Incredibles Are the uh, only good Fantastic Four movies uh, <laughs> uh, All others are offensively asked
0: Yes, agreed other... Joey, any closing remarks on Credibles 2? No, it was great. Yes, it was an incredible movie. Oh, come God on, damn it. We almost made it.
1: <laughs> oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, no, that was
0: good. That was a good, that was a good <laughs> joke. All right. Um, yeah, thank you guys for joining me guys. on another episode of Apple Chat. Hey, thanks for listening to Apple Chat. You can find us on iTunes, Google, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app. Please rate us five stars and review us. Have a comment on something we said? Tweet at us at affablechat or send us an email affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.